Hello and welcome to a new series of Letters to My Fanny, the podcast with me, Cherry Healy. And we are kicking things off with a brilliantly spicy... Oh, hi, Bear. Wow. Yeah, I've given Bear the iPad so that I can record this. But A, is that bad parenting or is that just common sense and also he also wants to keep showing me what is on the ipad which defeats the object of the whole thing so not only do i feel guilty about popping him in front of a screen but i'm actually not doing this properly so we'll just we'll just keep on going we'll just keep on going it's a new series it's a new term it takes a while to grease the wheels so to speak anyway The first of this series is a chit-chat with the brilliant Rebecca Schiller. She is the director of the organisation Birthrights that she co-founded. Very coolly, she has an MA in War Studies. Her speciality is human rights. She's also a doula and she's written a fabulous book called Why Human Rights in Childbirth Matter. And she's got another book up her sleeve that's coming out next April. Um, doesn't yet have a title, but she's talked to me about the concept. It's all a bit hush-hush at the moment, but anyway, it sounds absolutely brilliant, so I'll chat to her again then. Oh, we talked all around birth and caesareans and sex. We really, we went to town on this subject. We also discussed the, the hot debate that happened today where Kate Hudson was quoted as saying that cesarean, that having a cesarean was the laziest thing she ever did. She was being funny. She was totally joking. However, the backlash has been quite interesting. People getting very, very cross about that comment. I can understand why. I think I've had two cesareans and I do always feel like I have to justify them. And Rebecca has a really interesting take on this subject. Essentially women's decisions should be respected and the medical profession it's their responsibility to provide all of the information that women need to make those decisions and then that should be respected so it's a very clear message in a very complicated increasingly layered debate around women and childbirth and who is right and wrong and it's very divisive and very polarizing Rebecca is a very clear, respectful voice. I absolutely love the work she's done. I highly recommend the articles on the Birthrights site. Um, here we go. Uh, and you know, that there, there is some fairly silly chat um, <laughs> towards the end, just to uh, lighten it up a little bit. Anyway, I hope you enjoy this episode. Here we go. Okay. Rebecca, I've known you for ages. You're in my house. It's really fun. You bought me duck eggs. I feel okay. like this interview has started off brilliantly and I feel <laughs> like it's going to be quite spicy. Excellent. Um, so before we kick off, can we repeat the conversation we had as we were sitting down? Yes. Because I don't think I've ever had the definition of what a doula is. I mean, you're the director of Birthrights. Um, the founder, the co-founder of Birthrights, um, but you're also a doula. Yes. So, what the hell is a doula? <laughs> is it a kind of STD? Well, only if you're very unlucky, <laughs> I think, and you get one that won't go away. Uh, I mean, it's sort of, 
the amazing woman who um, helped me when I was becoming a doula describes it as the second oldest profession in the world, mm. which I kind of like. And the idea is a doula is someone completely non-medical um, who is there for you, ideally from the beginning of your pregnancy or early on as possible, all the way through the birth, there to hold your hand, do practical things, support you emotionally, support your partner if you have one, kind of support everyone in the room so that the energy levels are in a nice supported place. Okay, right, Rebecca, I'm up the dark. Yeah. I mean, I'm not currently, yeah. <laughs> but let's say, hypothetically... Let's pretend. I found out I'm up the daft, my mum lives miles away, or she's a bit stressy, whatever it is, I want someone to kind of hold my hand through the process. How much does it cost? Is it really bespoke? And what are the consequences, what are the positive consequences of having a doula? So... Can I get it on the NHS, basically? You can in some places. So there are some schemes, including in London, where um, doulas have been employed by the NHS to staff a kind of early labour room for women who come in a bit too early, don't want to go home. And the idea was that those doulas would just stay with them in early labour and then would hand them over when things got real. However, all the women were like, no, 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 she's coming with me. She's been doing the special massage and telling my partner to be less annoying. I want her to come with me. Um, You can also, there's Doula UK, which is the kind of big doula organization, has an access fund. So you can get a doula for free if you need one. Um, But if 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 you need to pay for it, mentored doulas, new doulas might only charge you a few hundred pounds. For the whole thing. For the whole thing. Um, and a really experienced doula in London could charge you between 1,500 and two and a bit thousand pounds. Um, Would which... they come to all of your antenatal appointments? Could you basically call on them willy-nilly? I think if you, if you felt like you needed someone to be with you at every appointment and as many appointments as you needed during your pregnancy they might want to charge you a little bit more but I usually was with I met someone at least three times but often more came with them to appointments if there was something you know they wanted to do something and the medical staff weren't okay with that or they were feeling nervous about a procedure and then at the end of the phone all the time end of the email all the time lots of texts and then there from kind of as early in labor as you need until afterwards help you have a shower get you tucked up if you're at home make you some food if you're in hospital go out and get you what you need and then come back afterwards when you're looking at the baby going oh my god what is this and what have I done and I don't know how to do this to say you know what you do know how to do this you know go and have something to eat that I've made you go and have that bath that I've run you tell me why your mother-in-law is driving you insane <laughs> which is at least 50% of the job afterwards Amazing. so you're a therapist as <laughs> it's, well yeah it's a little bit there's a mixture of therapy and 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 sort of you know domestic housework and is it okay cuddling. to have a doula if you're not pregnant or you you're not gonna have can you just be in my life Yes, a life doula. I mean, That's you can actually yeah. not a bad business idea. I think I think life coaches are probably life doulas, just not as well branded. <laughs> yes. Life coaches but definitely. Have you got can a get bad abortion feel. doulas now and death doulas. It's a thing. Like people to be there at really vulnerable and important moments in your life. What does the word doula mean? Where does it come from? It's an ancient Greek word which means kind of female slave. Um, and <laughs> Uh, I mean, oh my god! I am pro- I am my children's doula. Yeah. Basically, yeah. well, it's 
mothering the mother is the definition that's yes. often used so you know it's like it's oh, like a, a I... mum without the emotional baggage oh yeah. god i mean that is that has hit a spot deep deep within me it's like <laughs> i got your back yeah absolutely do do what... do the women slightly fall in love with you do they kind of want to stroke your face and like <laughs> never let you go when the last appointments happened yeah. and they go oh my god Becca. it's so interesting i mean different sometimes it is much more professional yeah and even though the relationship gets really intimate particularly at birth you know there's a sort of closure and an end um and sometimes it really does become a sort of deep and meaningful long-term relationship and I've got loads of my friends now who I was there when their babies were born and they've just become my friends because we love each other you still charge them (laughs) uh yeah absolutely (laughs) per text message Uh, yesterday's hummus and bread session was about 150 yeah, guys just absolutely you. yeah that's how I'm keeping it going financially <laughs> okay Rebecca thank you for that slightly off the beaten track um, definition of what a doula is it is not a midwife no you do not birthing the baby the baby does no. not come out via your hands no we love we love midwives for doing that yes. amazing and incredibly skilled job and, and obstetricians too but we like to be the bit of the team where, where there's a gap and there's often a gap. Um, yes. The thing that's that nobody's doing um, or pointing out the thing that too many people are doing. <laughs> so here is a, a very sexy link into nice. one of the big things that you do um, and how I suppose uh, you, in my head, you are a, a, a powerful fighter for women's rights, specifically birth rights. Yeah. And you have a is it a charity but yes. it's a charity um and there's a brilliant website birthrights with loads of information on it and i've been spotting up um and lots of information about cesareans about respecting women and you've written a brilliant book let me get my notes so i get the title right called why human rights in childbirth matter Yes, correct. Correct. <laughs> well done. And that Kathy Warwick, uh, chief executive of the Royal College of Midwives, said that it should become essential reading for all maternity professionals. Can you explain to me? Because when I heard birth rights, when I heard human rights in relation to giving birth, I didn't really know what it meant. Because to my mind, you've got the NHS, you've got antenatal class you know antenatal sessions yeah. i feel like i have those i have a fairly privileged um access to birth birthing but the more i looked into it the more i absolutely understood why you feel it's necessary to shout out about this but can you explain to me what the hell birth rights is absolutely and i think if it's okay, I might explain it by just going from how I ended up not being an everyday doula anymore. Yes. Because that's really where it started. You know, I was going supporting, I, I had a human rights background, had a baby. So you did an MA in war studies. Yes. Which is the most badass thing ever. Yep. 
Yeah, I'm just that preparing. An, that's an unusual degree, that one, isn't it? I'm yeah. going to do war studies. Just because. Just because. Why did you do that? Uh, it, it's it's less badass. Um, <laughs> I, I really wanted to study war poetry, and I thought it would be more interesting to do it in the war studies department than in the English literature department. And I ended up not doing anything about war poetry because all the other war stuff was so interesting and got really into human rights. Yes. And went off doing, re- you know, observing some elections in the Ukraine, helping a friend do a research project in Bosnia and Serbia and just got really interested in that. And so I had my dream job working for this human rights NGO, became pregnant and being an over-preparer, read up on all the stuff, thought this is so interesting. I actually was, I had the most amazing experience of having a baby. I had a doula. Um, How did you know to get one? Um, I went to these really great antenatal classes in East London run by this local legend called Jessica James. And she just talked about it mm. and it seemed to make sense to me. And I had gone from, my, my dad's a doctor, my mum's medical as well. So I'd gone from thinking I'd have quite a sort of medical traditional birth decided I wanted a home birth secretly didn't mention it obviously to my dad beforehand Uh, (laughs) where are you having this baby oh definitely in the hospital not in the corridor (laughs) promise and um uh, and so I you know I I thought I might need a bit of bit of support I thought my husband might not be great he was actually brilliant but I just sort of wanted wanted that person there so I just felt like this was something I'd be good at and decided to do it everyone thought I was insane why did they think you were insane because I had a really great job that I you know I just got a promotion I was running the department and it's quite it's quite something to be an expert in human rights and war and conflict you know, I, I've got visions of your mum imagining you at the UN. Yeah, yeah. You know, arm in arm with Kofi I think she Nat. thought I was going to be the Prime Minister, actually. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so I can imagine when you went, no, I want to just help people, help women, like support yeah. women. I mean, in reality, that's just as beautiful as an important thing. But I can imagine that people thought, what are you doing? It doesn't play so well at dinner parties. No, <laughs> no, it, no it doesn't. Even though it is cool, it doesn't you know, it doesn't, you're right. It doesn't have that same impact. no, no, and you have to explain what it is every time, and yeah. um, not anymore it, because they're going to listen to this and they're going to go, "I know what a doula is." It's not a doula, it's and it's not, not a, a dealer, <laughs> and it's not a midwife. No. So I, yeah, so I started doing this, and 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 it was amazing. But I started going to births, all kinds of births, in different hospitals with different women, first, second, third babies. Some of the things I was directly seeing, and some of the things that people were telling me were just so not okay. Like what? Um, women in labour saying that they didn't want something to happen to them like an internal examination and it happening to them anyway while they said no. Which at mm. any other point in your life would just, you know, that would be assault. And, mm. and in the context of birth, it had become okay because, you know, there was an issue of the baby being safe and, 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 and most women actually weren't complaining about it and they would often say things like, am I allowed to go to the toilet? Am I allowed to eat anything? And would have their minds totally blown when you'd say, well, you could reach down and feel the baby coming out. Like, am I allowed to do that? It's your vulva. It's uh, your vulva. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I am learning so much today. Today is a real school day. Yeah, um, and so... There just seemed to be an issue here about like women's autonomy in birth, and we looking around at 
reproductive rights in the UK and we seemed apart from in Ireland pretty good about abortion and contraception and pretty good about consent in a, the context of sex but birth seems to be an area that you couldn't start talking about women's rights without everybody getting really defensive and, and worried Why about is it that? because in some of your writing you've said that feminism the feminist movement hasn't really taken birth under mm. its wing why why i think it's complicated and i'm not sure i've unpicked the whole thing myself but i think you know there's been a lot of waves of feminism and they've had to go in an, in, a, in an order and part of that has been saying women are not all about having babies we're not reproductive vessels we ha- we don't have to be mothers I ain't we no can baby work. Maker. yeah yeah so you know the idea of um talking about rights in birth and and, and reclaiming that is a bit complicated and 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 i think also a lot of the work that's been done to improve birth has often been done under a kind of banner of of natural childbirth yeah. and a lot of feminists understandably have issue with that and so what what has happened is there's been a weird i think sort of um argument happening amongst women about what's the right way to give birth and and, and what what you should have the right to do and that's been presented as a kind of i have the right to give birth to my baby in a meadow versus i have the right to have an epidural or elective cesarean but actually if you take that back to being about um women being the most important person in the room and having exactly the same rights as they had before they were pregnant when they were pregnant that they should always be the decision makers they should always be asked for their consent uh, they should always be treated with kindness and respect the system should be made to fit individuals and that's what human rights is all about navigating tensions between being a little person in a great big system and making sure that system looks after you and that you can express your needs and also that the rights of one individual are balanced against the needs of everyone else so human rights is perfect for birth because it says i'm a woman I'm still a human being, treat me like a human being, talk to me like a human being. And it, it matches brilliantly with the kind of care midwives and doctors say they want to provide and the kind of things that women want. So when you research what makes a good experience of childbirth, women don't say, oh, it's because I was in these specific facilities or because I had a cesarean or because I had a home birth. They say, I felt like I was given choices. Mm. I was unable to make decisions. I was treated with kindness and respect, and and um, and and that I felt that there was someone listening to me. So it transcends all of the birth bullshit politics mm-hmm. and just makes it about the woman. Absolutely, and I like <clears throat> how you have simplified what is, has been, and is becoming an increasingly divisive. Mm polarizing debate but very passionate it has the same kind of vibe as the breastfeeding yes debate it's ferocious it can become very stone throwy very quickly and i like that you keep bringing it back to respect for that woman Mm. as the key decision maker whether it is cesarean or home or whatever the variety of birth yeah types so i agree i mean as in i and i think i now understand what you mean by rights in birth birth rights but it is nerve-wracking especially if it's your first baby to be really assertive Absolutely. because 
you don't know. So, for example, I read that you were 18 days overdue. Was it 18? It wasn't me, actually. It was someone who was interviewing me, one of my clients. Oh, so, yes. Lovely Sophie Hayward, yes. um, who's a writer, and she was one of my doula clients, and she went 18 days overdue. And did you oversee that? I was there holding her hands, and she had a really lovely midwife called Angela, um, and she asked me if I had any information about induction. I sent her the nice guidelines. I sent her the association for improvements in maternity services booklet so she'd got all of that but I'm always very careful not to give my opinion because my opinion is doesn't matter and also you don't want to lead someone down a path that they didn't want to go down so um Sophie had decided that she wanted to wait till her baby made her own appearance until a point where she decided actually she didn't want to she wanted to get things moving so interesting because I was two weeks overdue. I think I was only, maybe it was only 10 days and I just didn't feel like I was cooked. Mm. And I would have liked to go longer mm. and I planned to have a, a natural birth, a home birth. I mean, I was pretty relaxed about it either way. Yeah. I thought, well, you know, I'm also fine if it's a medical birth. But I, I really do wish that I had been assertive enough to say actually can I just have another day can I have another two days another three days but I was so intimidated by the medical professionals um and then also a couple of other things happened to me which really kind of rang every so often people say to me I can't believe you filmed your birth yeah that's so extreme that's such a kind of invasion of your privacy and my answer is always I've had more private poos. Honestly, giving birth to me was not a private experience. Mm-hmm. Also, there's nothing to be ashamed of. I don't mind people seeing it. I understand why for some people they don't want to put it on television. Of course I understand yeah, that. It's probably that not going to catch on. Yeah, <laughs> I 100% get that. But in my, to me, there's nothing, there was nothing, that wasn't really a very private moment. I was naked most of the time. Somebody popped my waters. I didn't realise it was going to be quite such an extreme experience. It was like someone, someone, you know, you have to put a knitting needle up your vagina, essentially. There was five other people in the room, three of whom I didn't know. Naked, legs akimbo, with a knitting, essentially a knitting needle up my... I mean, I I definitely feel a bit traumatised by that. And I remember going for my first smear test after having cocoa and bursting into tears and feeling very uh, shocked at my reaction. I mean, I'm a drama queen anyway, so not that shocked. But I was definitely... uh, I hadn't realised how much that had affected me. And there were a couple of other situations as well in, in the birth and the afterwards that... And also I got mastitis. And I... The more I read about what you were doing the more I realized that I had been like a leaf in the wind during Mm. my birth and that there had been quite a few situations where I think I was I if I had felt more empowered and more educated and I'd had this conversation yeah I would have said no to a lot more or I would have said wait yeah what are you doing what's going to happen um do I have a choice? Because there's a lot of stuff. I mean, I'm, 
you're in a funny place anyway but a lot of stuff happens to you yeah like somebody sticking a knitting needle up your vagina i mean that that is that is very in a in a hazy moment of giving birth and being in labor that is a very very vivid moment i mean your eyes are yeah pretty open at that point yeah so what do you think you can do and change at the moment it's such a huge machine yeah what can you do well I think we're trying to do I think the onus can't be on women to educate themselves and become more assertive if someone like you didn't feel assertive enough or didn't even know you could be assertive enough or didn't even know you had those choices someone who you know, is confident, confident and articulate, and outspoken, yeah, has Absolutely. access to the internet, Absolutely. then what have a lot of other women, what chance have they got? The, the, the focus has to be on the system, I think. So absolutely, I'm all about making sure that, that as many women as possible have good information. So we've got these fact sheets on our website. My next book is a book for women. And um, I want women to know this and I want it to become part of the way we deal with antenatal education. You know, it's not about having the perfect goal-orientated birth. It's about actually preparing for the real situation and for what being a mother might be like and work and that's going to change your relationships and your sex life, all of that. But that's just going to be a bit of it. What, what has to happen is that it has to become part of the way that midwives and doctors are trained. So we're now delivering training in the NHS on human rights and childbirth um, in order that this becomes a normal part of realising, because actually the great thing about the human rights framework is uh, midwives and doctors are obliged, they have a legal duty to do it. They're public servants. They, they have to respect women's human rights. And the trusts have an obligation to ensure they do and the people who commission the services. So it all the stuff about, you know, this makes women feel better and gives them good experiences, unfortunately... Not enough people listen to that, but you have a legal duty to do that. Um, rings pretty true. And it also gives midwives and doctors, the vast, vast, vast majority of whom want to provide that care, a, a greater tool with which to stand firm when they're coming under pressure from people who design systems and services that don't let them spend more than three minutes, you know, getting to know a woman. And then there is a big, there's really great stuff happening in maternity care at the moment. There's a big review of maternity services in England. And that's come up with a plan. And the idea is to um, make care that wraps around a woman rather than women having to fit into this. I mean, I'm just hearing money, 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 yeah. money. I mean, we are in a tricky place yeah. right now with the NHS. Can you really expect that care to get better? I feel like it's going to get worse. I mean, I, I agree with you. There needs to be more money spent on this. There is some money is being invested in maternity care, but not not enough. And of course, the government would like this maternity review and its outcomes, this transformation program, to happen without any money being spent. The idea is that actually, redesigning these services will save money in the long run. You get women in the right place. You get less women who don't need interventions having them, and women who need interventions and want more sort of medicalized care in the right places and you don't end up spending all this money that you didn't need but that involves some investment in the beginning and you know it is it is tricky but I actually think a lot of it is about organization culture and values and so when we go and do training with student midwives they know all this stuff 
They know it instinctively. It's why they wanted to become midwives. And then you go back and talk to midwives who are kind of five, 10 years into their career. And they say, yes, but when I do this, the clinical governance team come down and say, you know, we're not going to sign off on this woman's birth plan. And, you know, midwives are very frightened that they, if they respect a woman's wishes, if they're a bit unusual, that they might lose their registration mm. or, or it just isn't the done thing. You know, I've been at a birth where a woman asked for something not even particularly unusual. I can't even remember what it was. She was in a hospital having her baby. She wasn't asking to like hang from the ceiling. <laughs> and the midwife at the station said to me, I've seen birth plans like this before. And uh, she'll end up with every hom- Tom, Dick and Harry at her perineum. And it was a real like, you know, <sighs> women versus the system. How dare you come in here and ask for this stuff? And that's organizational culture. That's not that midwife you know being horrible i mean she was but but that's because she's she was a real dick but she's been indoctrinated into dickishness she's probably not a dick by nature nature it's just part of the chat absolutely um do you think a lot of midwives i mean if i was in that kind of position of responsibility i'd be i'd be really nervous about going off the beaten track and and allowing something unusual you don't want that to be on your head no and I think you know that's unfortunately there's a lot of um negligence cases litigation in obstetrics it's the place where there is the most you get the biggest payouts because you know if something happens to a baby that can affect the whole life yeah so there's a lot of pressure um from above not to do things that might how do you get around that because i remember when they said we want to induce you and i thought no i'm not i know i'm not ready yeah. and my mum uh, was always really overdue with her babies yeah. and i thought i just want to be left yeah. a bit longer but i also thought you know what if i wait there's a risk of a problem mm-hmm. and if i just let if i'm just induced okay, it's highly unlikely I'm going to have a natural birth, it's highly likely I have a cesarean, but in the end of it, yeah, does it really matter? You know, my baby will be all right, I'll probably be all right. So it's a lot to fight against. Yeah. And I don't think you should have to fight. I think what should happen is when there's a decision to be made, women should just be given an overview of the risks and benefits on both sides. There's no like risk-free way of giving birth. Giving birth is incredibly safe in this country, but there is no risk-free way of giving birth. There's no. a risk associated with whatever choice you make. And the You're idea of... leaving the house. There's no risk-free absolutely. way of leaving. Making a cup of tea. <laughs> Did way... you know that more people die involving incidents involving their trousers than they do in an aeroplane crash? I didn't. Did you know that? <laughs> I'm know. glad I'm wearing a skirt Just today. I'm wearing <laughs> leggings, which I think is not really You're trousers. walking the edge I of doom. I am dancing with death. <laughs> Yes, birth is very safe in this country, but when it goes wrong, it's obviously life-changing, devastating. So the idea that you but but also there's no no one has decided what what safety is apart from you. So for me, I realised I was very frightened of of things like needles Mm. and and people fiddling with me. I'm a known wimp. I don't like the dentist. (laughs) Don't like injections. Don't really like pain. I love that you're a doula. You have an MA in war studies. You're like, don't really like pain. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, not into that. It's my speciality, but it's all right. I mean, my my mum cannot believe that I wanted to not have all the drugs because I'm such a wimp. But it was only because I was frightened of 
having the things done to me to get the drugs. It wasn't because I had any <laughs> objection to them. And I thought, you know, if I get to the place where it seems like it would be nicer to get in an ambulance and have an epidural, if that seems less scary, then I'll do Fine. that. But at the moment, that seems that seems more scary. So that was my like risk benefit. And I thought if I feel less stressed, the evidence says relaxation feeling comfortable helps you have an easier labor you're much less likely to end up with any of that fiddling if you have a home birth so for me did you have a home birth yeah you did how did your dad respond Uh, what the hell my mum actually sort of guessed a a few days before and I rang her my daughter was love that you didn't tell her yeah 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 no it was very you know it was very (laughs) important not to stress them out I rang my mum my daughter was nearly three weeks early so she wasn't expecting I rang her in the morning the first thing she said is where are you I'm at home and she could not believe it but they're big you know I had a really great experience with both my kids even though my second was very quick and it ended up just being me and my husband what um yeah yeah it was it 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 was the most expensive free birth ever because we'd hired this brilliant independent midwife we'd moved to a new area where they didn't have such a great home birth team and and so we'd hired an independent midwife because they didn't want any of the stuff I'd seen happening to other people happening to me it was much more nervous the second time not you knew had more information not nervous about me I was like I was saying nervous about anything else we had you know we had to go to hospital at one point in my pregnancy just for a scan to check he wasn't breached and I like freaked out in the room cried was completely ridiculous about it um but actually I just I sort of niggled on and off overnight and then my labour kicked off and ended and started and ended in 40 minutes and by the time the midwife got there I'd have been holding a baby for half an hour I mean oh my god that's mind blowing how was your husband like I mean how are both of you he was fine I don't think he thought I knew this but like when it got going I was like oh there's no way she's going to be here and he just didn't believe it he thought you know yeah you midwife you no pool? neither time you? actually I was well I was in my bath upstairs like we we'd got this lovely house that we'd renovated and I'd put a bath in that you could see the sea from oh babe that's magical it was really lovely but actually it was it was so much more intense than my first birth I much preferred the first one 40 minutes it's just too quick for all that stuff to happen to your body wow. you can't get into the zone and also I was there doing all my doula stuff I was, I was saying to my husband <laughs> you have to tell me that everything's going to be okay <laughs> tell me I'm doing really well and that I can do this oh and um, and but I just think he didn't realize until he could see the baby's head that oh, this God. was happening like right then and there and he was he was fine he was he pretty calm. chill he was very calm he was very calm the last time when we actually we only had midwives there for 40 minutes the last time because it was pretty quick for a first birth so my mum only told me afterwards that it was really quick when she had me and my brother I really wish I'd had that information in advance thanks mum always a winner but yeah for me that felt like safety being at home and and that and that is important so one of the nice things about looking at birth in kind of the the respectful care the human rights way is it takes into account what the broader definition of safety when you think about the number of women that have um issues with mental ill health after birth Mm. and that you know suicide is still one of the biggest indirect killers of um women in the first year of their baby's life i'm following a couple of people on instagram that are really suffering yeah severely with postnatal depression i'm i'm really i really feel like they're educating me about what that really means and the severity of it i mean it's you know there isn't good evidence linking postnatal depression to to 
to birth itself and I think that's only because the research hasn't been done but there's there's really good evidence about what makes you know there's quite a lot of post-traumatic stress disorder in women who've given birth and that that is tied to not necessarily exactly how you gave birth did you have a you know sudden emergency cesarean actually again how you were treated whether you felt like you were alone when you were frightened whether you felt like you were a person with agency making decisions and then you know so it makes no sense not to try and make birth feel safe for women it's not just about have you got a 0.5 percent risk of this in this location versus a 0.75 version of this in another location it's about okay what to you feels like a reasonable risk and what to you feels like a reasonable benefit and women always want to do the thing that's that's best for their baby you don't need to tell them that you know i'm playing devil's advocate slightly here but doesn't that put so much pressure and responsibility on the mom yeah i think it i think it does i mean yeah and that's why i think it has to be done in 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 support and in tandem with people who know exactly what they're talking about so you have your midwife or your obstetrician if it's got you know if you've got something that's that's more complicated to explain to you what that means and to explain to you in a way that isn't full of bias and judgment doesn't you know lead you down the path and if you want to ask them okay come on really tell me I really don't know what to do give me some advice of course that's absolutely fine but it means you have a conversation you give women you give them some responsibility like this is my this is my health this is my body this is my baby I want a little bit of responsibility for that and it also takes the responsibility off the healthcare professional so they write in their notes what they informed you of they document that really carefully and then they become less frightened that they're going to be sued for you doing what you want this um, is a very big question and then i yeah. want to move on to cesareans because that's been the yeah. papers today yeah excitingly yeah but do you think i don't know if you can do this in a natty way okay but the fact that women do not have the kind of agency the kind of voice when it comes to their own birth is that a feminist issue Yes. I mean, this is all, this is all the patriarchy here, you know. Can you break that down for me? You don't have to rap. I don't want you to rap. <laughs> Please, Please, I can't God, rap. No, don't rap. No one but needs me to rap. What, it, why, how, how is that a feminist issue? Why has it happened? Historically. Yeah. Birth was a, a women's issue happened to women was supervised by women was something that women knew all about uh obstetrics evolved and was a man's profession um and um there was definitely a financial part of that so there's been a wrestling of control why has there been a financial part because uh, the the first obstetricians back in the day were uh, people you paid so you needed to be doing something if you were going to be paid. So you needed to do something. You sit there and just going, your vagina's a flower. Yeah. Earn it. Yeah. No. And so, I mean, and I say this with huge respect for modern obstetrics. We have obstetricians on our board of trustees. I work closely with yes. obstetricians. I just wrote something for the World College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists. But in various countries around the world, you know, there, where there are private healthcare systems, um, there is pressure on women to give birth in a way that is most lucrative to those people who are you know spend 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 spend. so there is a financial thing but there's there's been a wrestling of control from birth from a very 
feminine female matriarchal model to a to a to a patriarchal model and and i think in that there's been loads of great things happening loads of improvements in um safety and 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 care and absolutely but also what had to happen is that women had to lose their power and someone else had to come in and, and be the powerful one it comes back to your favorite sentence am i allowed yeah yeah am i allowed am i allowed yeah because you hand over your power your wisdom your information and say what can i do am i allowed tell me tell me yeah and it feels like you're trying to bring back an ownership over your own birth absolutely you get to decide to decide what's okay for you and you get to decide that in this brilliant framework that's evolved which means there's huge support and care and technology when you need it but it's just you're you know you're on the ship and you've got the whatever it is the steering wheel do they have steering wheels on ships what do you steer a <laughs> ship with a big round thing God, that captain bird's eye turns mustn't ever that start one. a metaphor without <laughs> knowing the words the gear the round thing you've got it you've got the round thing the and you're steering thing. the ship <laughs> can you edit that bit out totally. you make me sound a lot cleverer <laughs> no it's, it's too funny it's a good job this isn't like the shipping forecast but because we'd be completely screwed i'm not going on university challenge ever no because th- this kind of basic information isn't uh isn't gonna do me well no no i i would also not be so yes that. i understand your metaphor though yeah perfectly yeah can we please yeah segue into today's topical discussion which is um kate hudson who was interviewed and she was just being funny, but she, she was asked the question, what's the laziest thing you've ever done? And she replied, have a cesarean section. She was being lols. Yes. So let's not get our knickers too much in a twist, but I do think that it is an interesting debate. And I think that the backlash that's happened um, is a good jumping board. Yeah. And I'd like to ask you what your views are on cesareans. Now, in your writing, you have quite a specific term for a maternally... Maternal Maternal request cesarean. Right. So a cesarean that isn't happening because of an emergency, a cesarean that has been asked for for no medical... Reason. Reason. Which is what I had with Bear. Yeah. I had an emergency C-section with Coco and I think that I had bone deep, um, a bone deep no-ness of doing that again. Yeah. And there was no way that anybody was going to change my mind. But I went into my appointment and somebody had said to me, they aren't going to let you have one. So you've got to go in there with... Um, crazy eyes yeah so I went in with really uh, a a very very determined feeling and that steely look of I don't really care what you say this is going to happen and that is how I uh, got one I think and I was was there any argument was yeah definitely there was definitely resistance and I, I was I was glad for the information it was definitely shit scary 
Yeah. I felt really, really scared after that because I felt like there is no way I'm doing that natural birth again. Yeah. Because if it goes like that again, I this is not happening. Yeah. You know that feeling. Absolutely. You... I mean, it's not happening. I will go, I mean, I, yeah. this is not happening. So the problem is, is that I'd made that absolute concrete decision um, and what was pitched to me was the horror of the caesarean. Mm. So it wasn't good. And it was interesting, I was reading a, an article on the birthrights site about um, a woman, I think it was, she was either a midwife or a doula, I can't remember who 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 she what her job was but she was saying in her experience a woman who's come in and asked for a cesarean is not you don't change her mind yeah so that's that's actually simon that's simon, simon. Our, our midwife trustee simon right who i met at a, a conference and he was talking about this amazing clinic that he used to run um in liverpool which was about maternal request cesareans and he said that the first thing he would say when women came in was yes you can have a cesarean so interesting and then no resistance, no resistance. and then he would say all the fear would go all the guards would come down and then he'd say but let's just talk about why you want it yeah. and he would quite often discovered that why they wanted it is that they'd had a really terrible birth last time they're really frightened and things had happened to them they weren't okay with and he would say well look if we could do if you could give birth on the birth center with no vaginal examinations in the pool and the moment there was any suggestion that anything wasn't quite right and any intervention we needed we just divert to a early non-emergency cesarean would that feel better to you and we would go yeah that that sounds fine, but that's not possible, is it? I have to have vaginal examinations. No, we just don't. We just don't do any vaginal examinations. What the fuck? Yeah, you don't have to have. You don't have to have. Nope. Why did I have a million? Well, if you're having an induction, they do have to, you know, put the pessary up there that's and fine. You that know, was not a problem. But so I haven't had any vaginal examinations during. I've had two babies, um, and so. If everything's going smoothly and you're fine and the baby's fine, the main reason to check how things are going is so that you can write it down on the piece of paper and that everyone has a sort of vague idea of timings, except that's, of course, bollocks because women don't dilate in a linear way and sometimes you dilate really quickly and then stall or take ages to get to two centimetres and then you go off like a rocket. So lots of people particularly independent midwives just don't do them routinely they do them if it looks like there might be something wrong and you just want to see how things are going or you need to change up baby's heart rate's dipping is it because you're about to have the baby or some women just like knowing and they want to know but yeah it's another thing where it's like of course you don't have to have someone you know every four hours really really uh high uh angled cervix Mm. so to have a cervix mm. fondle you've yeah. got to get I mean yeah. you've basically got to fist me yeah it's so horrible I had so many yeah oh Jesus wept those fucking cervix yeah. checks were horrendous that on top of the knitting needle I mean that I mean just it doesn't sound okay for you at interesting all interesting mm. that you give us an example 
I, I, even just putting myself in that meeting yeah. that you were telling me, Simon, where you say to a woman first, relax, you can have a cesarean. Yeah. I mean, you can feel the defences going down, yeah. aren't you? And yeah. the conversation going from there. Yeah. Right, well, you've got the cesarean. Yeah. You can relax. Yeah. It's going to happen. So now we can have a conversation about what we could do to make yeah. a natural birth possible. Yeah. Absolutely. And and I think that's not because an, a natural birth should necessarily be the objective, but also because a cesarean does come with some risks yes. and some women actually would like, and they, it's easier to recover usually from a vaginal birth, and especially if you've got an older child. So if you can enable women to feel that they've got a real choice between the two, they may still choose to have a cesarean, but at least they feel that they were able to make a real decision rather than just oh God, I absolutely can't go down that route because that it's is too scary. Option. It's yeah. basically yeah. that, the yeah. horror, yeah. or a cesarean. Yeah. So obviously you're going to choose a of cesarean. Course. So the idea of somebody saying to you, no, you should really yeah. you should really consider the horror and you think, well, no, I've been there. Yeah. But to actually have someone say to you, no, I've got the lifeboat here, you're in it, you're yeah. in it. But what about if there was a different option? Yeah. There is actually a third, which is... Yeah. A supported different kind of birth there's this amazing woman called michelle koshi who's doing a conference that she's managed to persuade the royal college of obstetricians and gynecologists to host this year and it's called women's voices and she's brilliant she just gets together loads of women to talk about their experiences kind of around birth and she's got four kids and the first two were cesareans the third one was born vagina in That's hospital very unusual. and the fourth one was born at home and she's got a wow. really great blog which is called something like strong since birth and she writes about those experiences and just about how you know and she has some quite you know tra- you know very solid reasons for having those first two cesareans but actually why she went down the other route for the for the the third and the fourth one and and how she kind of got that support and how eventually she she ended up hiring the same independent midwife I had for Arthur's birth with her fourth and had had her fourth fourth baby at home and it's just really interesting to to sort of look at her journey kind of in a non non-judgmental way and think about yeah how how you can have all those different experiences and they're all really valid and the exact one that she needed at that you know those points in time do you worry that we're going to become a, a nation of cesarean havers because i've got to say i had two mm. and i bloody loved them yeah. especially with bear because yeah. i knew when he was coming it was very relaxed i had my epidural out he yeah. came it was super mellow i had a donut i mean it was very yeah. relaxed so i've had very positive cesarean stories um you know i do you worry that it's going to become too common is it a problem to have a cesarean i mean this is you know this is the real thorny bit of the debate and i mean i don't think it's my it's i I think in the role i'm in it's not my business to worry about whether there are too many cesareans or not actually that's 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 somebody else's problem but i I don't think there. I don't think that women being able to request cesareans when they need them will mean that we have too many cesareans. Because actually, I think most women would quite like to avoid a cesarean. And what we have is lots of women who don't want cesareans having them, yes. and it being really difficult for women who do want them 
to get them. It that is bananas. And it's so stupid. Yes, <laughs> I didn't want one at the beginning, but I got one. Yeah. And then when I did want one, I had to go in with a psychotic look on my yeah. face. Yeah. I mean, it's and 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 the you know partly that's because of the way the finances are worked out and who gets paid for what and and partly it's because there's a pressure to reduce cesarean rates and of course it's much easier to say no to someone who's asking for one before labor than to design your whole system so that there aren't a ridiculous amount of over interventions in births that aren't needed so you know it's it's with in brazil there's massively high cesarean rates and they did a survey of women asking them about whether Brazilian women, whether they would like to have a cesarean or a vaginal birth. And a vaginal birth in a lot of Brazil is horrible. Um, you have to give birth alone. There's no epidurals. There's really disrespectful care. There's a private obstetric lobby telling women that cesareans are great. It's associated with your status. Oh. So you, I was expecting that about 90% of Brazilian women would like to have a cesarean actually still 75% of Brazilian women wanted to have a vaginal birth. So I think even, you know, if, if women are enabled to make sensible choices, they will choose what they really need. And 100% of women are never going to want to have major abdominal surgery if they don't need it. In your experience as a doula, have you experienced an increase in people requesting... I suppose you wouldn't you wouldn't know because you're not yeah you're not in contact with them all the time. I mean, do you think I'll ask that question differently? Do you think that we are we requesting more cesareans? Is it on the up? My perception is that it might be slightly on the up, um, and I think that has much more to do with women not being treated very well in uh, vaginal births first time round hearing about other women who didn't have great experiences than about women deciding they're giving up on giving birth vaginally. So I think I think you absolutely have to say yes to women's requests, but you also have to make the other option better. Yes. Which leads us beautifully onto orgasmic birth. Because I agree, I think there is actually a very negative discourse around birth. Yeah. It's not hard to find a horrific vaginal birth story. No. I mean, the words that really scared me when I was pregnant was the word tear. Yes. I mean, stop it. Yeah, it's yeah. it's not a it's not a good word, I is don't it? I like that word. I was Apart really terrified from when it's too. In relation to baguette. Yeah. Tear it, butter it, hummus it. it other than in relation to bread, I don't like that So it's word. only the Jamie Oliver version of tearing yes. that's okay for you. Yes. Not the perineal version. No. Yeah. So I get very excited when I hear lovely birth stories. My friend Hannah had, had a, a, a quick birth at home. The thing she was most worried about was that she knew she'd only be able to get up to the spare room. <laughs> and uh, she shouted at her husband... Not on the good sheets, <laughs> <laughs> but but she had she had really great births. And, yeah. Oh, oh, one that wasn't great, but but yeah. there were there was there was a there was a beautiful uh, story within it. So the extreme end of the 
really great, lovely birth stories is the orgasmic birth. Indeed. Have you ever seen it? Is it a real thing? Why does it happen? I mean, have I ever seen it? Not really. I really wish I could pull out some amazing Amazing anecdote now. I've seen some very like sensual births. Women who were really in touch with their bodies were making some very sort of, well, Uh, kind of sex noises, really. uh, Yeah. It's a good sex noise. noise. Rebecca, that's actually the noise I make during sex. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> have you had sex recently <laughs> no no is that a surprise <laughs> maybe make a different noise funny because my, both my neighbours have got for sale yeah. signs outside <laughs> <laughs> we just try something slightly like so that's like um, a bear that's had its foot trodden on yeah uh. an angry bear trapped in a cave <laughs> really angry <laughs> being chased by bees but that is quite it's quite a birthy noise yeah so. well the, the I mean, that's something I, when I sort of did a bit primal, absolutely. Yeah. And, and I think it's good to know that those noises happen. I often talk, we practice them beforehand, when, you know, as, <laughs> so that you don't get embarrassed. So that, and also, so people's partners don't think something bad's happening when the woman is like, well, you'll be making one noise, and then suddenly you'll make the hmm. That's, that's, the, that's the pushing noise. That's the pushing noise. But yeah, the, the, the kind of the sex noises and the sort of wanting to touch their bodies, I've seen that, but I don't think I've seen anybody actually have a kind of orgasmic feeling when they've given birth spoken to women who talk about it so yes it does exist and i really hate that really hate the disbelief understand why it's there particularly if you've had a really distressing birth but so people who've had it don't get believed no i mean why would you make that up but if you if you talk about orgasmic birth people I roll, yeah, right, come on. Whatever. It's Whatever. Like a unicorn. I mean, come on. Or like fairies. Absolutely. Sweet. And it's it gets put in this idea that women are somehow sort of boasting. And I think the reason that people don't believe it is A, that that's the thing we're talking about, like stealing women's power. Mm. I think that happened. And so we've really lost touch with the fact that birth has quite a lot of similarities with sex and the process and the physiology is the same and that the idea that women could be having pleasure in birth is like that's just too far out there it's like what don't you You can't mix sexual pleasure with childbirth if there's something wrong about that yeah i mean you couldn't be a woman with more than one thing about you you couldn't be a a woman who's a mother and a sexual being all at the same time because that would even get me started on yeah. that that is we'll have to have another podcast but that's where this comes up. from that's where that you know this is the moment when you become a mother this is the moment when you become a mother and you know that you could experience pleasure in that people are like no fucking way that's ridiculous and the reason is because that's the moment where you switch you're not allowed to be a sexual being anymore so you couldn't possibly even though it's coming out of your vagina and the same hormones are at work the idea that you could be feeling pleasure in that is so mind-blowing. I mean, I just want to lay it on the table right now yeah. because I remember someone saying it to me and it being a bit of a revelation. You can be the most beautiful mother. Mm-hmm. You do your children's homework. You cook them yummy food. You cuddle them. Put them in their PJs. And you can also want filthy passionate sweaty rude sex 
Absolutely. With dirty talk and all of the things. Yeah. Those two things can be in the same human being. Absolutely. And I remember when I became a mum, there was a bit of like a Madonna whore vibe of, can I still have my piercings in? Can I still listen to hip hop? Can I be a loving mum and adore my children and be responsible and there for them, but also like to go out till four in the morning and also like, like sex, really love sex. And I think you're right. I think it's all tied up in the same thing. Yeah, it's all about restricting women's power. Like, you can be a mother, but you can't be anything else. No. And, you know, this, you know, the whole thing about, you know, if you're a working, you're working mother, you know, that's a special subcategory. <laughs> Don't mix it up with the earth natural mothers. You can't be both. You cannot be both. No, don't you bottle feed, but also baby wear, because that will just blow society's mind. Who are you? What kind of alien are you? You What's you're making like homemade shepherd's pie, and then you're doing a conference call in the afternoon. You're a lawyer who has a home birth. That's insane. Don't do that. Stop it. Absolutely. So we're not allowed to be complicated, and it's yeah. it goes through the whole birth thing. You know, you you can't make it. You can't make your choices because you have to join a camp. You have to join one of the birth camps, and then you get pulled into that kind of let's all argue with each other. And then if your birth doesn't go how you planned, then you are encouraged, especially by the media, which you know i i am part of i have some you know try not to write these kind of things but then you're encouraged to be angry yeah with someone you're either angry Come on, you must be angry with someone no i am angry with someone i'm angry with all the people but i try not to be angry with people who had cesareans because i had a home birth so a cesarean loving bottle feeding conference call taking sex fiend fiend <laughs> Do you still like them? Love them. <laughs> Some of my best friends. Yay! <laughs> Caesarean sex fiends. <laughs> I, am... I mean, not at the same time. Oh, I don't think God, anyone's orgasming so... during the Caesarean. But... Oh, God, that's so <laughs> I want a t-shirt that says I'm a Caesarean sex fiend. Okay, this is a business and idea. I make a mean organic shepherd's pie. Okay, this is a fundraiser for birthrights. We'll make is... the t-shirts. Let's do it. Um, okay, so okay. listen, we've got to finish because we are about to hit 58 seconds and 34 58 minutes and 34 seconds okay let's wrap this bad boy up okay in summary so i'm going to do a summary and then you're going to do a summary and that's how we're going to do this okay i've just decided so a doula is essentially a human being that's got your back if you're about to have a human being yes yeah and that can be a variety of different support yep. type things. Caesareans are linked to women's rights. It is essentially, whether it's caesarean or a home birth, the key to your work. And that encompasses, I think, the caesarean chat we had is respecting the woman giving them the information and treating them respectfully. Yes. And then finally, you can be 
a cesarean sex fiend and you're still great absolutely great what is your summary I don't know that was I'm, pretty bad I'm, 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 I'm gonna I'm gonna just copy your summary just do it what Terry said um I think the I feel like there's just like one thing to say through all of this which is just that women are really amazing and we're really competent capable people even when we don't feel like it and even when we haven't got loads of privilege like maybe you or I have and that what we need to do is make the part of their life when they become mothers at which they're both vulnerable and super powerful a time that respects them as the human beings that they are the complicated human beings who are going to like screw things up and do things amazingly and it's a kind of undefended corner the like a frontier of feminism that we haven't wrestled with yet it is time we're ready we've done loads of great feminist shit let's tackle birth let's make these experiences that change women's lives change families lives better let's set women up for motherhood and just the rest of their lives their complicated multifaceted lives better because it's one of the most important things i reckon our generation can do let's goddess the shit out of birth indeed don't you love like beyonce's kind of it's, i mean aesthetically it's not my thing but the whole the whole kind of goddess vibe of her pictures around pregnancy and having the newborns yeah there's a very don't fuck with me i am the ultimate feminine power thing going yeah. on there, which i kind of dig absolutely it's like feminine power that's strong and it could punch you really hard yes but is also it feels like the roots from those flowers go right down through her legs into the ground she is mother earth because it's you know the 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 flowers and the and the flowing material there is a there is a obviously a a stereotypical femininity about those Mm. things but the atmosphere of the picture as a whole is so powerful and i love the the claiming of feminine and powerful yeah I mean, when I first saw them, my first reaction was like, what the, that is a weird old picture. It's not even like stylish or cool. But then I looked at it again and again and I thought, no, because there's absolute undeniable power in this picture. But all the, the, all of the individual things are feminine. And I love that she's put those two things together. She hasn't put herself in a military outfit, which she has done in the past. But to actually, to say I'm feminine in all of my ways classically stereotypically as those you know physical things are and really powerful and i know we're supposed to be wrapping it up but (laughs) that just does make me think that it should be possible for us to say that you don't have to have a baby to be an like a a woman and to be a a sort of an important woman like we've said that absolutely and that being a mother is not all it all there is but it should also be possible at the same time to say that women who are becoming mothers deserve to have the respect they had before and that we can say those things at the same time and that we can wrestle with the fact that some women will have orgasmic births and will want to give birth on hillsides and will get a kick out of feeling the sensations of labor and feel that that empowers them. Other women will be empowered by making a decision to have an epidural and to, and and to, you know, not feel those, um, you know, contractions to, to take away that pain that to them feels like a right. 
that's all possible at the same time we can talk about all of that together because we're you know complicated and you know able to do that it's just the patriarchy that's stopping us Terry. and if we want a model for how that looks look at men because you have validity and power whether you are a father or not a father absolutely without a shadow of a doubt yeah so we do have a very concrete model yeah. of what i mean of what i would like women to feel whether they are mothers or not yeah that there is a validity and a value yeah. regardless and that we can have the backs you know i can have the back of the woman who says stop defining me i you know i've, I've chosen not to have children and i'm okay with that stop defining me in mm. this way i don't want the word spinster you know i don't want to hear oh, that again Jesus. so terrible i'm divorced and i have to do the muzz thing oh. i hate the muzz thing i actually you know I'm, there's, Why do there's... I have to be Muz anything? Why can't I just be Cherry? Yeah, you should invent a new title. Just n- nothing. Yeah. Flingleberg. <laughs> Flingleberg. Um, I'm Flingleberg Cherry. Thank you very much. I like it. <laughs> there was a there was a packet of kids cereal that had facts on in the way that kids cereals do, and one of them was unpopped popcorn kernels are called spinsters. <laughs> and a, I mean, are they? But B, I then had to explain to my, at the time, six-year-old what a spinster was and why unpopped popcorn kernels might be called spinsters. That is dark. It's dark, isn't it? That is really dark. I had dark. to complain about it. We got sent quite a lot of free cereal. <laughs> <laughs> of course. It's like, this is not appropriate for a child cereal that packet. so weird. Also, I wonder what came first, the unpopped, it was obviously the unpopped. That the women came first, and then, and then they were like, "Oh, an unpopped it's, so it's disgusting, isn't not, it? That is grubby. So we don't need spinsters. No, we want Flingleberg. Flingleberg. So now on, I'm only going to answer to Flingleberg, Cherry Healy, Flingleberg, cesarean, cesarean sex fiend, sex fiend, gin loving, organic cottage pie making, Healy. I like it. Great, we've done it. Bigger business cards are needed. <laughs> <laughs> watch out for the t-shirts coming soon to birthrights how do they get in touch with you so birthrights.org.uk and we're at birthrights.org on twitter uh, we have an advice service if you need us info at birthrights.org.uk what is the one thing let's call, call let's do a call to action what is the one thing that you would like women men to do when it comes to uh, furthering women's rights in birth my selfish response is become a donor to birthrights give us Yay! your money so that we can carry on doing what we do because yes. we rely entirely on donations my less selfish response is just to um have each other's backs and when you see something coming up some debate on facebook or twitter where people start slinging mud across imaginary lines don't engage with it recognize it as bullshit turn around and go and hug someone who made a different choice to you because they are a human being just like you i literally i've got tears imaginary tears in my eyes (laughs) i want to live in that world rebecca well thank you so much it's been lovely chat again we'll have a debate about uh, being a sex fiend next time yes we'll talk about all the other things that we're going to talk about next time (laughs) all right thank you rebecca it's been lovely so there we go episode one of this series of letters to my fanny done and dusted sent out into the ether borneth into the great vast pool 
of podcasts. Thank you, Rebecca, for coming all the way to my house, for sitting on my carpet, getting leg cramps, and for bringing me six very beautiful duck eggs from your home. Bear and I will be having those um, scrambled on toast later this afternoon. Thank you. To those who've listened, if there's anything we talked about in this episode that you want to get involved in, maybe you want to debate against it or comment on it or share your stories, please get in touch with me the normal ways, Instagram, my website, Twitter. And um, I'm excited to talk to Rebecca again about her book and also continue um, the conversation of caesarean sex fiends. All right, have a lovely week. Over and out.